Welcome to Revenue Rehab, your one-stop destination for collective solutions to the biggest challenges faced by marketing leaders today. Now head on over to the couch, make yourself comfortable, and get ready to change the way you approach revenue. Leading your recovery is modern marketer, author, speaker, and chief operating officer at Tegrita, Brandy Starr. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Revenue Rehab. I am your host, Brandy Starr, and we have another amazing episode for you today. I am joined by Phil Stanley. Phil is a senior strategist focused on the B2B space. He lives in the Boston area with his wife and also has a son and daughter. Phil is adept at listening and consulting with his clients to understand their aspirations, goals, and objectives to create unique experiences. Phil is responsible for translating market conditions into insights, recommendations, and positive outcomes for clients. He has worked with brands such as Splunk, ServiceNow, Intel, Invita, Microsoft, and IBM. Welcome to Revenue Rehab, Phil. Your session begins now. Well, good morning, Brandy, and thanks for having me. This is a pleasure uh, to have a moment to speak with you. Awesome. I am excited to have you here. And before we jump into our topic for today, I like to break the ice with a little woo-saw moment that I call buzzword banishment. So tell me, what industry buzzword would you like to banish forever? (laughs) There are probably several, but uh, the one that probably drives me uh keeps me up at night is when people talk about well you know at the end of the day right we're going to do a b and c to me that just (laughs) it that just drives me crazy uh okay so i'm gonna have to work on that one because i do know (laughs) that at the end of the day is one of my overused catchphrases so at least for this discussion (laughs) i will put it in the box and we will not do anything at the end of the day Uh, i'm gonna have to come up with another way to conclude my statements um but no that is that is a good one because it's like when does the day actually end like it's you know, it's not right. like we're actually doing anything at the end of the day other than maybe happy hour. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Now that we have gotten that off our chest, tell me what brings you to Revenue Rehab today? Well, my passion really is uh, event sponsorship. I have spent uh, my formative years uh, in event marketing around event sponsorship. and. I don't feel as though it is it has evolved and I and I think as a result of the pandemic and the conditions of the pandemic the isolation amongst our attendees our sponsors many of many of the sponsors did not participate uh, in virtual events so there's this fragmentation uh, of our clients ecosystem and as we get back to being in person uh, I think there's a, that there's a real opportunity to create a very different sponsorship model. Awesome. Yeah, I know this is a topic that is definitely a passion for uh, for me. And uh, for those who haven't listened to it, episode 29, I talked to Elizabeth Irvine, and we also talked about event sponsorship, whether it's a value or a waste. 
And, you know, early in my career, I was definitely team event. Um, and it was something I was known for, did some really fun, um, you know, activations that were really successful in, you know, engaging our audience and driving leads. Uh, but over the years, my opinion has shifted a bit to where it, you know, unless you've got like a huge budget to, you know, really make a big, uh, you know, brand splash, then it's kind of like, ah, I'll pass. Like I can be just as successful showing up at the event as an attendee and just mixing and mingling and talking to people as opposed to, you know, putting a large budget there. So um, before we jump into that, though, I always mm -hmm. like to set intentions. It gives us focus. It gives us purpose. And most important, it gives our audience an understanding of what they should expect from our discussion today. So I'd like to have you set an intention. Tell me, what would you like uh, to be different after our discussion today? What would you like for people to take away? There are really a couple of things, and and I think um, what you just spoke about in in terms of the value of sponsorships, um, I think that um, brands need to really determine what the value is, and I and I think that they've struggled in really understanding that. You know, I I once saw a um, uh, recently saw some research that talked about. Marketing's 44% of marketing executives feel as though uh, they don't understand uh, the ROI of sponsorships. And I think that in and of itself, it really encapsulates the, the, the challenge. And in order to, to determine value, uh, your, our brands need to uh, outline what are their goals and objectives? What are, their, what are the business outcomes that they are trying to achieve as a result of sponsorship. And, and I think that's where a lot of them uh, don't derive value because they're not very clear about what their objectives are. And then secondly, uh, they don't really enlist the help of the event organizer in reaching that ROI. You know, the event organizers typically have lots of data uh, that they can access that will help the sponsorship. And so, so I feel as though, you know, if there's one thing that I could 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 really counsel people on, it is understanding your objectives and then more clearly uh, and more definitively working with the event organizer to uh, achieve uh, an ROI. OK, and so I want to dig into that last part a little bit, because in my experience, and I will say it has probably been about four ish years uh, since I've really done some event sponsorships. So things may have changed. But in general, I have not found event organizers particularly helpful unless you are one of the top sponsors. Like generally it is a, you know, here's our prospectus. Like these are your options. You know, it's kind of like a, a McDonald's drive through menu, like I'll take a number six, uh, you know, and upsize it. Like that's kind of what it's been. And so even where I have had really clear objectives and, you know, understand who I'm trying to go after and, and I'm trying to do my best to make sure that the people that I'm sending are actually going to, you know, be able to get something out of the event, I haven't found organizers to be a really good resource unless I'm one of those top sponsors and spending a ton of money. 
Yes. Uh, and I think that 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 what you just said is correct. And I think, again, so this this problem is not only with the sponsoring company, but it also is with the event organizer. And we are working in tandem uh, with both sides of this fence uh, as far as the event organizer is concerned. Uh, to your point, we are really focused on removing that cookie cutter. Um, and so uh, all of our brands, all of our clients are um, at their events this year coming out of coming out of the shutdown, attendance is down. And in some cases, that's by design, right? They're they're anticipating smaller numbers. Perhaps as we're moving into 2023, we'll start to get back to to those pre-pandemic levels uh, in terms of attendance. Until then, there's a revenue gap for event organizers. And so we're working very closely with them to say, hey, listen, you've got to do a better job at driving revenue. And in order to do that, you have to drive more value, not only with your top sponsors, but down through um, perhaps your bronze level sponsors or even just your exhibitors, right? Because it all goes hand in hand. And in order to drive revenue and value, you've got to offer more. You have to be more collaborative. And it does come down to sitting with the exhibitor up to the top sponsor and really asking them, what is it that you need? What are you trying to achieve? And really, how is it that I can help you? Okay. Yeah. And I love that idea of not cookie cutter. Um, and you and I got introduced because you wrote a great white paper, which uh, we will link to in the show notes. Um, around collaborative, not cookie cutter, and you know, really a new approach to the sponsorship model so that there is mutual value. So share with our listeners a little bit around what you wrote, why you wrote it, like some of the key takeaways for those who haven't already read it. Sure, uh, happy to do so. So the approach uh, around the white paper, which was entitled A Strategic Approach to Sponsorship, you know, part of what we do at, at Envision is we are very uh, adept at influencing strategy throughout our client relationships. And so um, we have partnered with uh, another company uh, called Event Marketing Partners, uh, and they really are uh, expert at selling sponsorship and uh, managing those sponsor relationships. So as we were talking with our partners, we, we really realized uh, that we had an opportunity uh, to reset uh, the sponsorship model. And so we looked at where attendees are coming out of the pandemic, right? They uh, have, they really did a terrific job in adapting to uh, just being virtual and being online. And even before the pandemic, a lot of B2B buyers were, were really doing their own homework before they showed up at an event. So because of that, then that requires a different approach when you're on site because the event or because the event attendee already recognizes that I've done a lot of research. I'm at your event because I'm really looking to make a purchase decision. And so the approach to the to by the sponsor needs to be one of more thought leadership, right? And so convincing the buyer why they need to make the purchase and why company A as a sponsor is the best choice. 
And so when you start to have that mindset, the sponsor then goes from doing an infomercial at the event, as opposed to talking about thought leadership and value. And that's really what the buyers need to hear, especially coming out of the pandemic. Why should I spend my money with you? And so that's where we started thinking about how do we change this model? How do we put the sponsors in a better position to exhibit thought leadership, put them in a better position to understand what's the mindset of the attendee? Because all attendees are not the same. And so in order to start doing that, you've got to think very differently about why you're at the event. What is it you're going to communicate? What is the event organizer? What are they communicating as the host of the event? Because they have the real affinity with the attendee. And so getting closer uh, and tightening up the ecosystem as, as an event organizer, that's really what this is about. It's bringing back the attendees and the sponsors back into the fold in a mutually, in a mutually beneficial relationship. Really interesting. I think something that I take away from that, you know, as someone who is a potential sponsor is there is a little bit of a different mindset shift in what you're saying. And because like being that infomercial is historically what you're thinking about, like you're in that crowded trade show hall, you know, you're trying to do your song and dance to just get people to look your way and want to stop and cross your fingers that you know, there's something meaningful there. And, and I'm obviously oversimplifying it, but really thinking about the buyer as someone or the attendee as someone who already knows whether they need to talk to you or not. And so deepening that conversation to not focus on how many people can we get to stop, but how do we get the right people to stop? And I think that's something that gets more easily um, absorbed by marketing, but the people who are boots to the ground at the event are usually our sales counterparts who historically have been taught sales is a numbers game. You know, it's about the number of people that you can attract. And, and so it makes me think about if we've got organizers and the marketers who are making the decision to sponsor shifting the mindset we got to also be able to pull our sales counterparts along. Otherwise, we're going to all be in one place and they're still going to be trying to do, you know, the the tap dance with the shaker board like the uh, like the tax people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you you raise uh, a, a really great, a, really a great point. The other part of this, I mean, this is really very it's getting very complicated in the event world because you've just talked about sales versus marketing. And the sponsor has an event team, just like the event organizer has an event team. The event teams are the stickiness between marketing and sales. And so we're talking to many of our clients about repositioning the roles and responsibilities within their event teams. So you used to have, you know, your event team was, you know, event managers and they're, and they're really logistically focused. Well, as we move out of the pandemic, that 
that dynamic has to change where the, the event manager has to have more skill sets that can talk to the marketing people, talk to the sales people and say, okay, we've got an event next month and we have the booth. We're going to grab some leads, but you, Mr. or, or, or Miss salesperson, you're going to be at this event and we need you to communicate at a higher level, more thought leadership uh, that can drive the right people at the right time to your booth. Now, in talking to the marketing people, we need some tools. The salesperson needs some tools that's going to attract the right people at the right time. You know, so that can be, um, you know, new event technologies, right, that are going to uh, that are going to allow people to come into the booth and maybe create their own journey, have an opportunity, um, you know, whether it's touchscreen that that allows them to look more in depth at the product or service that they would they would like to purchase and then have a conversation with that salesperson. There are ways in which uh, they can draw the right people. And, you know, I've been to uh, several events this fall uh, because we've spent a lot of time talking about, you know, what are best practices as we return to live? One of them is, you know, digital technology. There are just so many of them out there um, that uh, can be brought to bear inside of, of, of the booth. And, you know, to date, we're really not seeing a lot of that. So brands are really going to have to, you know, it was very difficult this year uh, because we went from, uh, you know, a, a another wave uh, of, of, of COVID this, this, uh, this winter, right, January and February. So people weren't really certain that we were going to be back to, to fully in person. So a lot of what took place this year is they decided we're going to go back to 2019, and so they didn't necessarily change their approach going into this spring, into this fall, as they went back to live. We're seeing a lot of that. And so okay. the hope is going into 2023, we can start to say to our clients, hey, we were at your event. We audited your event. And the engagement could have been stronger, you know, if you used AR technology, you know, things that are, that are cool, that people want to take a look at. And we didn't see a lot of it on the show floor. That could be a differentiator for you that draws people in. And once they're drawn in, then your salespeople can do their jobs. And, and, and so it goes hand in hand. It just can't be, you know, I've got a booth. I've got a lot of shiny things standing here. You know, great, great imagery. Um, I'm in the right place at the right corner um, where traffic is coming. Well, it's. It's, it's more than that. And, and hopefully as we move into next year, we can really push our clients uh, to be a little more, a little more engaging with event technology. Love that. Um, you, I want to jump back to a point that you made earlier and shift gears a little bit, because uh, we've been talking a lot about the sponsor and what the sponsor needs to do. Um, let's talk about the event organizer a little bit and not having their approach be cookie cutter. Um, I know as a marketer, 
my sort of dream world for being able to sponsor an event is really having everything be a la carte. Like, let me tell you what I care about and you roll that together and, you know, give me a price for that. Um, I've never seen that uh, anywhere. Like generally it's, you can get these packages and after you pick a package, here's some other add-ons that, you know, you may be able to take advantage of. Um, and I think what it does is it, it forces people into things that are not necessarily like their sweet spot. You know, so for me, for example, for our company, having the booth itself less effective. Mm -hmm. I am a speaker. I've been speaking for years. So when we can get a speaking slot, I am both adding value to the events because I'm always educating. I'm not like selling from the stage. Um, and that is where people, you know, even if we don't have a booth, people come find me and want to hear more about that. Whereas in some cases, there are companies where, there's a speaking slot that's a part of their package. So they force someone into that role who really has nothing to say. You know, they're not a great presenter. So it just sounds like, you know, they got a 45 minute sales pitch, which also diminishes the reputation of the event because people feel like I went to all these sessions and just got sold to. So why is it that, you know, things are, are bundled? Is it just because it's easy? Like where, how do we get there to this, everything is like just pick off these combo menus as opposed to everything being a la carte. Yeah. So it's, it, to me, it really, it really does go back to, um, you know, that survey uh, that I was talking about earlier on, which is that, uh, you know, most executives uh, don't understand the ROI uh, from sponsorship. And so, uh, so I and I think that's where the event organizer really has to has to step up and, and talk to them about ROI. Well, we they, again, they've got lots and lots of data and, um, you know, it starts to it really does drill down to understanding and communicating the needs of the personas, those event attendee personas. What do they need from the executive uh, you know, down to, um, you know, the implementer, the, the, the technology guy, the, the, you know, the person who's going to actually use the technology uh, to drive the sponsor's business. They all have different needs. And I don't think that event organizers have done a good job of um, really looking at the different levels of sponsorship and how they can talk uh, or in market to each persona. And for some of the personas, it is a speaking opportunity that, that you spoke about. And so it really does come down to the event organizer saying, I've got this speaking opportunity. Here's the type of person in your company that I suggest that utilize this opportunity. And why? Because you're going to get in front of these decision makers, you know, on your show floor booth, you know, here's what I suggest in terms of, you know, uh, giving the uh, the technologist how, you know, how the the product or service is going to benefit he or she in their daily job. You know, we have these different um, uh, classes, right? There are pre-event, pre-conference pre, -event, pre, pre -conference, uh, trainings uh, that, that sponsors 
can also be part of. And, and that's where you get, again, a different person who has a different role and responsibility who just wants to be in front of the technology and wants to play with it. So, so that's where you get into the different tiers and different opportunities. And again, we're event organizers. Um, they have to refit their roles and responsibilities uh, amongst their teams where they need a sponsorship person who really does understand sponsorship and that the value is not in having tiers and cookie cutters, but rather the value is in going to the sponsor and customizing the experience uh, to the best of their ability. Now, that's not always going to work. You know, if you're looking for 50 for 50 sponsors or 75 sponsors, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be able to customize every opportunity. But I think at each level, there has to be uh, some room for customization, depending upon the tier and the need uh, of that uh, of that sponsor. And it takes work. It takes collaboration. This by no means we, you know, as, as we set out to, to develop this white paper, uh, we didn't think that it was going to be the be, be all and end all in terms of sponsorship, but rather it, it's more about the mindset being around collaboration instead of just saying, well, here, here are the, the four or five tiers that we offer, uh, take it or leave it. I think that those days, uh, as a result of the pandemic, those days are over. Uh, I definitely hope so. Uh, and I know, you know, a lot of our listeners are marketers that are leading companies where they have their own customer conferences or, you know, partner conferences. And so what I'm hearing is for marketers that are also hosting events, um, you've got to invest in having that person that can actually own sponsorship and really, you know, it, do the research, have the conversations with potential sponsors to understand where you need to package things versus where you need to offer some flexibility. Yeah, that, that's that's correct. You have to provide more opportunities uh, around that flexibility for sure. Yeah. And I think, I mean, just based on my personal experience and, you know, as a consultant, I work with a lot of different companies. So in talking to them about their strategy, like you can actually get people to spend more money that way. You know, I've looked at things where it's like, oh, for 10K, I can get this. And I look at what you get for 20K and I'm like, eh, those things don't really, you know, appeal to me. So I'm going to stick with the 10K, even if I had 20K in my budget. Right. Um, so if there was that flexibility, like, let me get this, but these other two things and I'll give you 20 K cause you know, a 10 by 10 versus a 10 by 20 booth for me as a consultant doesn't, it's not going to matter much. Like that extra 10 feet is just more, you know, wasted space that I got to find stuff to put in. Right. Um, but if you add, you know, a Q and a session or like some of these other things, I'm like, oh yeah, you know, take my money. Um, so I definitely like that. I do think you hit on a gap in that there is not always that role for someone to actually own sponsorship. Like, uh, you know, I've worked for multiple companies that hosted huge customer conferences, and it usually starts with pull out our thing from last year. Do we want to change anything? You know, publish it for this year. There's not someone that really owns it and has that expertise. Yes, that that's correct. And I think that, as I said before, you know, I, 
the pandemic really has highlighted uh, the the need for certain roles and responsibilities within the event team, right? It's not it's no longer just about uh, event execution. Uh, it really does come down to more of an understanding of marketing, more of an understanding of sales. And, and if you have those understandings, then you're able to bring those two organizations together, right? Because that's been a historically, that's been a challenge inside of many brands. Marketing doesn't talk to sales and vice versa. And so in order to make events more effective, you've got to bring those two entities uh, into the, into event planning. Awesome. And my last question, just because we haven't really touched on this much, is for those that are still hosting uh, virtual events, because, you know, just because we're back in person, virtual's not going anywhere. It was a thing before the pandemic, and I believe it will continue to be a thing. Um, but virtual event sponsorship is, in my opinion, a lot tougher uh, because you don't have the natural foot traffic of, you know, people flowing through the exhibit hall to get to breakfast, um, you know, in a virtual event. So if someone is hosting a virtual event, so thinking about the organizers, how do they make sponsorship appealing and effective for those sponsors? Yeah, so this is a, I would say this is a real pet peeve of mine. Uh, because I was fortunate enough um, as as the pandemic uh, kicked off back in 2020, uh, I worked for a company that did a did a uh, really great job of of converting clients from in person to virtual. And the biggest challenge in doing that was trying to figure out sponsorship and the the fallacy was thinking that we could go back to the tiers. It, we could go, we could, in the virtual world, we could create tiers. Uh, we could create branding opportunities. We could try and develop uh, hospitality opportunities that, that sponsors, that brands could sponsor. The big miss and the, the big opportunity uh, I always felt was around speaking opportunities and thought leadership um, because people, right, were glued glued in front of their, their, uh, their computers. They were captive audiences. Um, yes. Was it overloaded on, on, in, in being in front of a computer for eight to 10 hours a day? Absolutely. But they were investing uh, in attendees were investing in, in virtual events to unprecedented numbers. And we didn't give sponsors an opportunity to actually talk to them. And I think that was where the big miss was. And, and so as a result of that, as we move back to in-person, sponsors really don't want to have much to do with virtual, the virtual components of some of these hybrid events. And so, <clears throat> excuse me. I feel like that's where we missed and we have to think about giving sponsors an opportunity to actually speak to virtual audiences directly. Again, can't be the infomercial. It really has to be structured um, around topics and conversations. And, you know, if you could do a panel discussion uh, where, where it's about thought leadership, um, then, then that, you know, perhaps that could work. 
but it is going to take uh, some of these brands to really embrace the notion of, of, of providing those kinds of opportunities for their sponsors. Thank you. Well, talking about our challenges is just the first step and nothing changes if nothing changes. Uh, in traditional therapy, the therapist will give the client some homework, but here at Revenue Rehab, we like to flip that on our head, on its head and ask you to give us some homework. Um, and so I'm a big proponent of having a really clear action item, something that I can you know, take away and do relatively quickly. So I'd like to ask you for what is your one thing? What is your action item for us, whether, you know, as a sponsor or as an organizer that we can do to help have more collaborative and not cookie cutter approach uh, in order to drive value? Yeah. So I think for, for the event organizer, it really is reaching out to their sponsors and um, you know, asking the question, you know, how can we help you drive value? What is it that you need? Is it thought leadership opportunities? Is it uh, uh, more data on our attendees? What is it that you need? Where, where are the gaps uh, from you for you as a sponsor? Uh, what are those marketing gaps that that our resources can help fulfill? And I think for the 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 sponsor, it is um, a real internal discussion amongst themselves as they look at their entire portfolio of events that they're sponsoring, understanding what are the personas that we're really going after and what is it that we can offer those personas that are going to drive business, that are going to drive them into our booths. And I think more of those kinds of questions about what are, what are our KPIs, uh, what are our goals and objectives? I think more of those kinds of conversations really need to be um, uh, really actualized and then then discussed uh, with the sponsor and vice versa. I love that. Yeah, that is um, the the key thing there is to have those conversations. So that's our one thing, what, no matter which side you're on, if you are an event organizer, have a conversation or two or three uh, with some of your sponsors to understand what they need from you. And if you are a sponsor, it is having those conversations internally to really understand what are your opportunities, uh, who you're trying to talk to and what you're trying to get out of it. I love that so much. Um, I have definitely enjoyed our discussion today, but that's our time for today. Um, so, Phil, thank you so much uh, for joining me today. Well, thank you. I appreciate the, the opportunity to speak with you. Awesome. And for anyone that is listening, the link to Phil's white paper is in the show notes. Um, and if you have not already, I encourage you to go back to episode 29 to continue the conversation around event sponsorship to help you to figure out what is right for your business. Thanks everyone for joining us today. I hope you've enjoyed my conversation with Phil. I can't believe we're already at the end. See you next time. You've been listening to Revenue Rehab with your host, Brandy Starr. Your session is now over, but the learning has just begun. Join our mailing list and catch up on all our shows at RevenueRehab.live. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at Revenue Rehab. This concludes this week's session. We'll see you next week.